Welcome to Once Upon East 112. My name is Aaron Avera, and with me, as usual, is my co-host, the one and only straight from Habersham County, Donatus Carroll. How are you doing, Donatus? Hey, I'm doing great, Aaron. Straight repping the 706 to the fullest (laughs) out of Habersham County. The booming metropolis of Habersham County population, like 40,000. That's a generous 40,000, too. Fun fact, so. Columbus used to all, where I'm from, used to also be 706, and then they ran out of 706 numbers, and now they're like 762 and 706. Um, you know, that's crazy. We're 762 as well. Oh, so we just share all the same. Yeah. I wonder how that works. I don't know. I guess because I know that my little sisters that uh, used to share a phone back in the day, like they would share one twin would have it one day, the other one would have it the next. And yeah. they were a 706 number. And then when they finally got their own phones, one of them kept the old phone and the other, their Ashlyn, um, ended up with a phone that was a 762 number because they ran out of 706 numbers. Didn't know that was a thing. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the more you know. That is crazy. Yeah, we're 706, but then the county right beside us, they're like 762. Uh, yeah, that's wild. <laughs> All right, so I Learn something new every day. Learn something new every day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll dive right into our show. Um, for those of you that listened last week, or for those of you that want to listen last week, um, spo- not just last week, I'm sorry, two weeks ago, spoiler alert, we did not have a Thanksgiving show like we had semi mentioned us, me was out of the country <laughs> for part of the break. We couldn't nail it down. So we have a lot to catch up on uh, this week. And we're going to begin it with where we began our very first podcast, which is the Browns rematch. We talked about miles Garrett. We're going to spend very brief moment of time on this uh, because if you pay attention at all to sports, you know, that it did not go well for my Browns. Um, we were up 10-0. Everything was looking great. We were throwing the ball. We were running it well. Everyone was involved. And then once we were up 10-zip, it's almost like everything ceased to go right. It's almost like our offense disappeared. Our defense disappeared. Some guy named Duck was throwing – bombs to whoever i don't even know what his last name washington don't know what his first name is um (laughs) and he's just making miraculous catches um and lo and behold browns lose the game very very frustrating um i know you you weren't were you able to watch it i'm not sure if it if it was up here in the uh the north georgia area uh, if it can yeah um I was able to watch a little bit of the game. Um, I think I caught the second quarter. Caught when they were up 10-0. to zero. Uh, Switched it off and caught it back up when it was 10-10. to 10. Um, Then I tuned in for the last probably, I think, uh, I saw that throw to James Washington. There we go. Um, and then I saw, like, the last minute of the game, the Browns had the ball, and I was like, perfect this is gonna set up perfect they're down what were they down by seven or down by three uh by the end we were down by seven points we'd come within seven points yeah and so baker mayfield has the ball and i'm like 
I think it was like two minutes left, and I thought this is going to be his NFL-defining season-changing moment, right? You know, they've got the ball. Uh, two minutes left. Baker's going to lead them down the field because you saw him do it in Oklahoma all the time. And so I'm thinking this is going to be awesome. I'm going to watch the last few minutes of this game. Uh, when the Browns make the playoffs, you know, this is going to be something where people look back on this drive. First play of the drive, Baker throws an interception, and I'm like, oh, gosh. So even as a as a bandwagon Browns fan, it was frustrating. Um, well, what was just super- because? I- Go ahead. I'm sorry. Because- oh well, no, just because. Just because, like in that in that moment, I felt, and I don't know, as a Browns fan, I'd like to get your perspective, but I felt like at that moment, like everything was setting up perfect for Baker to lead them lead them down the down the field for this score, um, tie the game up and go into overtime and win the game. So, And what was the most disheartening for me about that interception was of all people, it was Joe Hayden who decides right. to <laughs> ruin our chances of, of sweeping the Steelers. Um, for those who don't keep up with the Browns or know, you should know who Joe Hayden is, but he was right. obviously one of our, not, not, I guess not necessarily, but people, um, that he was our, I would say, franchise cornerback until they he battled some injury and they were like, all right, we're done with you. Um, and the Steelers have, have reaped the benefit of him. Um, I think my biggest frustration, and, and you got to see that, that one drive and I don't know how many offensive drives you saw, but Freddie Kitchens once again does what Freddie Kitchens does. Yeah. He, he left the running, or from, from what I saw, we had like six carries, maybe all of the second half. We have mm. one of the best running backs in all of football, Nick Chubb. And then we've added oh, yeah. Kareem Hunt. And we did six carries. And not only that, but we know our offensive line is terrible. Um, and Baker's very successful with short passes, yet Freddie kept calling long developing routes that put Baker in trouble that caused him to force throws at one point uh, before the Steelers even tied it up. I mean, we had gotten the ball back. There's a little more than two minutes left before the half. We can maybe put a drive together, go down the field uh, and we go three and out, give them the ball. They're able to tie it. And we see that happen again later on in the the second half. um, Terrence Mitchell, makes an outstanding interception. We're behind. We're down by, I think at this point, we were down by uh, 10, and that's where we ended up getting the field goal. We're down by 10. Terrence Mitch, or maybe this is when Seibert punted it, which Seibert is our kicker, not our punter. He punted one. But needless <laughs> to say, we squandered an opportunity where Demar, not Demarius Randall, he was benched, where uh, Terrence Mitchell picks off the ball, gets us in good field position, and then we once again can't move the ball. I heard about that one. And I put a lot of that, and I want to hear, I guess, from a non-Browns, like, diehard fan perspective. How much blame should we place on Freddie for that? Because for me, as a fan, I put a lot on Freddie's shoulders. I know he's a brand-new head coach, but he insists on calling the plays. How much of that is him, and how much of that is our players? Because I know coaches can't go out and get it done, but if the play calls aren't good, I mean, they aren't good. 
So what, what, what do you think? How much of that do you think is, is Freddie and how much do you think is the players? Yeah, you know, from an unbiased standpoint, I think regardless of whether it's the head coach or whoever, um, ultimately it reflects on the head coach. Um, whoever your offensive play caller is, which in this c- case is Freddie Kitchens as well, your head coach, um, that's on them, man. Um, I think, you know, to me, it's one of those, like, common sense things. You have two – we'll say two top 15 running backs. Um, I think they're two top 10 running backs. I think Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt both are two top 10 running backs in the NFL. So, yeah, I think, you know, Kareem Hunt is a top 15 um, top fifteen running back. Obviously, last we saw him, he was with Kansas City, um, and he had a dominant year with Kansas City. I think, you know, you think, oh, well, he was with Mahomes and with Andy Reid, but I think Kareem Hunt's just a dang good running back. Um, and so, you know, I think you've got to find ways to get the ball in his hands. Um, to throw the ball three straight times, um, you know, obviously you've got weapons in Baker Mayfield and Jarvis Landry and, and OBJ, but I, I would think you've got to establish the run, um, especially since you've got two – two solid running backs um i would think at least you know you, you always you always want to try and establish the run on first down um and if you can get four yards on first down that sets you up perfectly and with cream hunt and nick chubb you should have no problem whatsoever picking up four yards on on first down if not more um which is going to set up that pass so you know to me they're <clears throat> obviously from a fan's perspective they seem like very elementary things, uh, you know, set up the run to set up the pass or run the ball to set up the pass. I'm sorry. Um, but maybe it's just not that simple, you know, but I don't know. To me, it just kind of seems like simple stuff. Well, no, I, I agree. We, uh, the times we have been able to get Chubb going, uh, which is really anytime you give Chubb the ball, he, he gets it going. Yeah. Um, our play action runs smoothly we're able to um, fire the ball out more effectively. People are respecting the run, so therefore they're stacking the box, which allows our receivers to do their work. Um, So I'm interested to see, you know, if Freddie can figure it out for the remainder of the season. Because now I'm kind of worried uh, that we needed this game for us to sneak into the playoffs. We still have the Ravens coming up. Uh, I realized with this Steelers game how big it was losing Miles Garrett because our pass rush was pretty ineffective. Uh, And Miles Garrett is obviously a huge pass rusher. Um, And if we couldn't get penetration against them, now they don't have a slouch O-line. They have a pretty good O-line. Yeah, Uh, they have one of the best in in the league. Yeah, and, and but I'm looking at that, and I'm like, oh, we're not going to be able to contain or control Lamar Jackson right. at all. The biggest thing for us last time was Miles Garrett could get pressure and help contain. Um, but yeah, so, you know, all in all, five and seven. Um, do you, on the hot spot, do you see the Browns in the playoffs this year? Gut decision, yes or no? No. No, and that it, it hurts me to say. Um, I didn't realize how big of a game that this past one was. Um, Steelers went to seven and five, Browns went to five and seven, 
Um, and Pittsburgh, I think, would get that tiebreaker over the Browns. Um, which, if it's flipped, it's six and six. The Browns swept the the Steelers. They owe the tiebreaker, and they've got momentum going into it. Um, I think those last two spots are going to be um, obviously Buffalo is going to get one. Ah, oh, man, that last spot. I I still I still think either Indianapolis or Tennessee is going to come out with that final wild card spot um, in the in the AFC. Although I would not be surprised to see the Steelers sneak in and and grab that last spot. Yeah, I think that's really. Six is up for grabs, but I agree, unfortunately. Um, I think the Browns put the nail in the coffin. Uh, we need way too many things to happen. Um, and as is our favorite saying as Browns fans, there's always next year. There's always next year. There's always next year. Uh, <laughs> I also know that a big storyline for the Browns, if we are going to go straight past, because I have already gotten over Freddie Kitchens, is T-shirt gate. Um, I have one. I purchased one as well. Pittsburgh started it. I still believe Pittsburgh started it. I do believe that Freddie Kitchens, though I, ah, I'm trying to decide. I was fooled. Let me just go ahead and go on the record. Cause I tweeted yeah. out about how this is my head. Glad he's sticking it to Pittsburgh. And now I realize <laughs> that I had the wool over my eyes. I was blinded at Freddie Kitchens. <laughs> Exact same Freddie Kitchens he was when we got blown out by Tennessee and lost to Seattle and lost to Denver and blah, 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 blah. Browns, Browns, Browns. There's always next year. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's, it seemed like one of those things I know Freddie said his daughters gave it to him and whatever, you know, bottom line, I think is you own it, man. You know, like you wear that shirt and if you lose, you still say, Hey, you know, like we're a team. You don't have to come out and say, I believe that Pittsburgh started it. But to me, it kind of seemed like, um, you know, had, had Cleveland won, he would have been all about wearing that t-shirt, but since they lost, it seemed like he kind of, kind of took a few steps back and said, no, you know, my daughters gave it to me and I took it with a fan and all that stuff. And I don't know, man, to me, I, you know, you just got to own it, dude. You know, you wore the shirt, stick, stick to your, to your guns or whatever the saying is, man, and, and go with it. You know, I feel like part of the, the issue with this is he did kind of stick with it a little bit. He, uh, he told reporters, I, you know, I do it again, whatever, whatever. Um, my, my thing is, if he wins this game, he's a hero. Right, absolutely. He's a hero in Cleveland. Now that he loses it, um, he kind of looks a little more foolish of, you know, why wear it out? You could have worn it, you know, at the press conference after we won. Because uh, there's no reason, in my opinion, we should have lost that game. Right. Um, but enough Browns talk. We're going to <laughs> – <laughs> I can drone on and on about the Browns and the potential. But in light of the news that has dropped today in the NFL, Ron Rivera was fired by the Panthers. So we're going to play a little game that we are going to call hot or not. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to propose a team whose coach uh, may potentially be on the hot seat this season. Uh, and we will discuss whether or not we believe indeed this coach will be fired at the end of the season, or maybe they get another chance. 
so the first team I'm going to throw out there, and I, I have a feeling the way I, I, I think you're going to go down into this, um, but the Jacksonville Jaguars coach, Doug Marone. Oh, man. This was is one of the he, Is he on the hot seat? Is he safe for another year? What's happening to Doug? Oh, man. You know, this is one of those that I, that I kind of looked at. Oh, man. Um, you know, I, <laughs> that's a tough question. That's a tough one to start off with. Here's what I think. I think I've realized, you know, in kind of thinking about um, head coaches that were going to be on the hot seat, and where this came from was actually college football. Um, a lot of people are talking about whether um, Jim Harbaugh is going to be fired from Michigan or not. Um, and I've realized, you know, different – teams have different expectations um so jacksonville you know he led them to the playoffs um two years ago um i think he's been there i think four or five years um he's been there since 2017 yeah this this is only year three four something like that right um, I think I don't know that Jacksonville's really going to be like a popular spot. He's um he's thirty five and forty three overall. He's twenty and twenty six with Jacksonville. Um, he's two and one in the playoffs though, so which is a pretty decent record once once he gets into the playoffs. Um. But he's four and eight this year. I think he. I think they've got to let him go. I think they've got to try and find somebody else. Um, he went ten to six that one year. Last year he went five and eleven. This year he's four and eight. So, um, I I think at this point you kind of know what you've got with Doug Marone, um, and that's he's going to be five and eleven, four and twelve, six and ten, seven and nine, maybe. Um, I think you've got to let him go and see if you can find somebody else. But yeah. I think the the problem with Jacksonville is not just Doug Marone, right? Like I think I think it's a it's a um, organizational standpoint. Like I think they need to get rid of Coughlin, Caldwell, and Marone, um, or at least the GM Caldwell, Dave Caldwell, and Doug Marone. I don't think you just need to get rid of Doug Marone. I think it needs to be both of those two and just start completely brand new. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Doug Marone needs to go. Um, I had a lot of hope for him. It was what his first season where maybe second season where he took Blake Bortles of all people. Yeah. Had a, had a stellar team, went to the, uh, went to the playoffs, did very well in yeah. the playoffs. I believe if I'm correct, they went to the AFC championship game, mm-hmm. got beat by, I think it was the other guy beat by, uh, of course the Patriots. Um, but they have done nothing but sink from this moment on. Um, right. You know, they have Gardner Minshew going for them, Minshew mania. Uh, Nick Foles, of course, he just got back off injury, didn't play well this past week, got benched. Um, but Leonard Fournette is not they, – they haven't gotten him going, and he is definitely one of the top running backs in the league. Uh, their yeah. defense isn't what it was two, three years ago. Um, all in all, I think Doug Marone, mm, I think they would let him go. But in reality, maybe I, I think they may keep him around for one more year. I think it depends on how they end it this season. 
Um, so I, I guess his is kind of a toss up, like you said, which leads me to my next person or my next team who I'm, I don't think this is a toss up at all. I think we're going to come down with a consensus, the same thing. We're looking at you, um, quote unquote, America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, Jason Garrett. Is he sticking around for another year? You got to let Garrett go, dude. <laughs> you got to let Garrett go, man. It's been it's been too long. And I think, you know, this is one of those that we can just kind of breeze through because I think everybody knows, like, anything short of a Super Bowl, um, Jason Garrett's gone. Um He's been there 10 years. His record is 83 and 65, which is, you know, pretty decent. Um, but so he took over halfway through 2010, led them to five and three. He went three years in a row, Aaron, going eight and eight, which <laughs> I feel like it's pretty, pretty hard to do, <laughs> you know. Um, but I think to most people, you go eight and eight, three years in a row. We know what you're going to be. Um he went 12 and 4 in 2014, 4 and 12 in 2015, 13 and 3 and 16, 9 and 7, 10 and 6, and he's 6 and 6. So at this point, you know, um, Jason Garrett's just going to be your average middle of the road um, head coach. Um, but he's just made, he's just made some boneheaded decisions, you know, like he'll punt for it on fourth and one. But then he'll go for it again, like later on in the game. Um, he'll punt for it on fourth and inches. Like he just—I don't know, man. Yeah, I, I, I just—I'm gonna agree it, with it's you. Up for him to go. I think Garrett's gone. I mean, you're sitting there six and six. The the East, the the NFC East, wide open. Like everyone wow. is trash in that in that uh division. Well, we learned the Eagles are garbage by getting walloped. By I mean, walloped is is a maybe not walloped, but they got, you know, lose to Miami, which lets us know, okay, the Eagles aren't for real this year. Um, yeah, the Cowboys no. can, can take control of this division, and they have Dak Prescott, Zeke Elliott, an amazing offensive line, Amari mm-hmm. Cooper, a, a, you know, a very good linebacking course, a decent defense, and you're going six and six? I, yeah. I think I think it's – I think Jerry Jones kind of showed it all. I don't know if you saw the – the, all the pictures and videos during the game where they got beat down by the Bills, but he's sitting there with his head in his hands and he gets up and yeah. walks away, kind of defeated. Um, but no, I agree. I think I think Jason Garrett, uh, his days are finally numbered in Dallas. We've all thought this before, um, but I think this is Jerry Jones is finally uh, over it. Um, yeah. Next team up. This is your team. A team you know oh, a lot about. The Atlanta Falcons. Do they retain Dan Quinn or does Dan Quinn get the boot? Even though he took them to their second Super Bowl berth. Yeah. Um, golly, I've been waiting so long for this. <laughs> it's time. <laughs> it is time to let Dan Quinn go. And here's the thing, because I know I know Falcon fa- Falcons fans are on the fence about it. Um, Dan Quinn, we've had this is his fifth year. Um, his overall overall record is thirty nine to thirty seven. Um, he is three and two in the playoffs. Uh, he did take us. God, I hate talking about this. He did. <laughs> he did take us to the Super Bowl, where we. 
lot where we blew a 28 to 3 lead um and i was thinking about this on the way home man and you know cuz i've heard i've heard people say oh well Kyle Shanahan wouldn't call run plays Matt Ryan wouldn't audible to run plays at the end of the day that falls on the coach for whatever reason he decided we're not going to run the ball we're going to continue to throw the ball so that was in 2016 um, in the three years since then, we've gone ten and six, seven and nine, and three and nine this year. Um, last year, we had a bunch of defensive injuries, um, you know, which is somewhat excusable, maybe. But here's the thing, and I think most people agree about this: that Atlanta Falcons, for the past three to four years, have had a top, we'll say top ten offense, arguably top five offense. Um, at one point, you had a top ten, top ten quarterback and a top two wide receiver, top three wide receiver, um, and then in 2016, Devontae Freeman was arguably a top ten running back as well. So, and that was that was our Super Bowl year. But the next year, um, you know, you have a top five running back, a top five quarterback, a top five wide receiver. You go ten and six, you lose to the Philadelphia Eagles, um, who went on to win the the Super Bowl. Um, but then last year you come out, you wet the bed, you go seven and nine. Um, your offense is garbage. You finally, at the end of last season, you finally get rid of Steve Sarkeesian. You get rid of your defensive coordinator. You fire your special teams coordinator. And so at that point, Dan Quinn is saying, whatever happens next year, it's all looking at me. Uh, he decided he's not going to hire a defensive coordinator. He wanted to pl- call the, the the plays on defense, and I knew, <laughs> I knew as soon as he decided he wanted to play call the plays that it was not going to work. I said, "This <laughs> is a bad idea. This is not going to end well." We started off getting dominated by the Minnesota Vikings before Kirk Cousins had a decent year, um, and before everybody knew that Dalvin Cook was going to be good. Uh, beat the Eagles only because Nelson Aguilar cannot catch the ball. Um, <laughs> And then we lost like six straight games. Um, and this year, I don't know. I don't know what the excuse is. Um, you know, our defense is atrocious, horrendous, um, whatever word you can think of. Um, and here's how I feel about it: as as a defensive coach, um, you're supposed to be good at defense. <laughs> you know, like defense is your thing. You, you would think. Um, you would think. You would think so. You know, like Bill Belichick's known for his defense. His defenses are amazing. Ron Rivera, who got fired today, known for his defense, and his defenses were still really good. I don't think Carolina's problem's been their defense or problem. It's been Cam Newton or whatever. Um. So Dan Quinn, since he's taken over in Atlanta, our defense has never. I think we've had one top ten year in the five years he's been there. Um, this will now be back-to-back years that we've fall, fallen in the bottom half, bottom, you know, five teams defensively. Um, so I think we just know at this point, we know what Dan Quinn's going to give us. Um, our best chance is to go seven and nine this year, and we have to face the the San Francisco 49ers, um, I think, in San Francisco. So that game's probably not going to be pretty. Um, but yeah, it's time for Dan Quinn to go. If they don't fire him, um, at the end of this season, I think you're looking at a few games into next season that they'll let him go. Um, 
But I think, you know, and, and we don't, we may not have too much time to get into this, but I think that Super Bowl loss had like a psychological effect on him. Um, him and Matt Ryan both, you know, it, Seattle, they talk about how um, when they decided to run the ball instead of throwing it, how it affected Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson and that team and affected that team for like the next couple of years. And I think it's the same way with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, Blowing that 28-3 lead, I think, has had, like, a psychological effect on Dan Quinn, um, Matt Ryan, and the rest of the Falcons. So, you just need to start all over, start all over from scratch. Um, just get us a new coach. Because yeah, he's I, also made some boneheaded decisions. So Yeah, I agree. I think, I think Dan Quinn's done. In fact, I'm very surprised they haven't already done it. Um, right. I thought that when they began the season the way they did – before they got, you know, hot for a quick second and cooled back down. Um, I thought going into the bye week, Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn was gone. Um, yeah. By them not firing him, I was a little shocked. Um, I mean, it doesn't surprise me because, you know, who really wants to fire their head coach in the middle of the season? Um, but I do think just like a Jason Garrett scenario, I mean, you have so much talent oh, and you can't win a game. I mean, you, they've won yeah. a game, but – the fact that you're sitting there, you said that you'll have three wins right now. The fact that you're mm-hmm. sitting there with three wins with all that talent, mm-hmm. that's inexcusable. And I, and I understand the psychological effect of, and I agree that, they, they, you know, they're probably still kind of um, mentally hurt uh, by that. But on the flip side, you look at the Seahawks still and yeah. uh, you know, they got, <laughs> they got over that. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, it's I, I I do agree. I think I think Dan Quinn, um, I think after week seventeen, he's going to be one of the uh, the few that that get the the pink card, the the little yeah. slip that says, "Have a nice day." It's time to go. Yeah, and and I don't really care if he has a nice day or not. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for. I've been done with Dan Quinn since last year, man. Just because you know we've had, like you said, we've had so much talent, and he's just kind of we squandered it, man. And um, we're not getting younger. You know, Julio just turned thirty. Matt Ryan's turning thirty-four, I think. Um, so our window's quickly closing. So yeah, I agree. All right, so I'm going to cover one more team. This is a surprise team, one that you would imagine, of course, the Browns. It's not the Browns. It's not the Browns. Um, (laughs) But the Browns have fired a coach after one season before. Um, So I am interested in what you think about the Jets and Adam Gase. Do they give Adam Gase a second year, or do they look at him and say, you haven't done anything good? For this offense, here's the door. What do you think about Adam Gase? Yeah, um, you know, again, Adam Gase. I feel like the 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 common theme between the coaches that we all, all that we talked about, um, Jason Garrett, Dan Quinn, Adam Gase, um, Doug Marone, is you kind of know what they are. Um, Adam Gase, it was a mistake to hire him in the first place. Um. And the problem is now, if you fire him, you look dumb because you fired him after one year. But I think I think you've got to. Um, Adam Gase with Miami, he was there three years. Ten and six his first year, six and ten, seven and nine. Uh, he's four and eight this year. The best chance he goes is um, is eight and eight. Um, 
I saw a crazy stat, man, where the the not the Dolphins, the Jets are the first team in NFL history to lose to two zero and seven or more teams at the at the time, giving them their first win. Right, so they they lost to the Dolphins, who everybody knows or everybody thinks is tanking. And then they lose to the Bengals, but it's like they didn't just lose. Like, they got blown out in both those games. Um, that alone should get you fired for, for that. <laughs> the fact that um, you – both teams that weren't supposed to win a game until they played each other beat you. So, right. what, is, what does that say right. about you and your organization right now? It, yeah, the, I mean, they beat you bad, too. Um, so I don't know. I feel like Adam Gase is always going to be that coach that gets you six and ten, maybe seven and nine, um, but six and ten is about average for for Adam Gase. So unfortunately, they they've got to let him go. Um, they should have never hired him in the first place, but I, I think they need to let him go. I agree. He he's one that I I was surprised they hired. Um, I didn't think he did great in Miami, hence mm-hmm. why he was. I believe, if I'm correct, wasn't he fired in Miami? Yes. All right. Hence why he was fired in Miami. Um, Tannehill, who's now doing I'm – not, I'm not going to say he's doing great in Tennessee, but he looks like a good quarterback in Tennessee. Uh-huh. And Adam Gase is supposed to be an offensive uh, quarterback-type guru. Right. And Tannehill, who I still don't believe is, is a top-tier quarterback, or not even close to that, but he didn't. He, he did not play well in Miami. He's doing well in Tennessee. So they bring in Gase to the Jets to inherit supposedly this nice talent in Sam Darnold. And Darnold has been, I'm gonna say, average this year. I mean, he hasn't really been lighting it up. Uh, he has over 2,000 yards passing, 13 touchdowns. But um, they have Le'Veon Bell. They, they're, they're missing some, some receivers. They don't really have flashy receivers. Um, but I haven't seen anything promising from the Jets. I mean, like you said, they lost to the Dolphins. I believe they're the ones who gave the Dolphins their first win. They lost to the Bengals. You somehow blow out the Raiders. You beat the Cowboys, which once again, yeah. another reason why Jason Garrett needs to be fired. Um, I just, I don't, I don't think this Jets team, though they've beaten some good teams and then they've lost to some bad teams. I don't think that is a sign of good things to come. I think that's a sign of this team is not good. Um, Adam Gase is not the long-term answer. And I would not be surprised. He's sitting on the hot seat. That if at the end of the season, the Jets say, this was a mistake, let's start over before we ruin Sam Darnold's career um, and get someone in here that we can trust. Because I, I don't yeah. think he's the man. Right. And, you know, it's, it's similar to Dan Quinn as far as Adam Gase is known for his offense, supposedly, because he had that one year with, uh, with Peyton Manning. Um, yeah, but it's Peyton Manning is the thing. Exactly. So how much exactly. can you trust that? Because Peyton Manning – is like without Peyton Manning, the Colts were trash. Right. Because, he, I mean, he got hurt, and then you immediately saw the impact of Peyton Manning. They went like 2-14 and 14 and then got luck. And then he goes to – and I think – this is way off, we're off topic, but I think Elway gets too much credit for being a quarterback guru. I mean, granted, he was a great quarterback, 
But he brings in Manning. They win a Super Bowl, and now they've had nothing but dud after dud after dud in Denver. Um, and then they bring in Joe Flacco. Like, that's going to fix anything. Um, but <laughs> if anything, that shows how great Peyton Manning is, that right. when you separate Manning from Gase, was, great, was Gase the genius? Or no, was Manning that great? Yeah, and you know, I guess everybody, I don't know, everybody fell for it somehow because they continued to give Adam Gase um, offensive chances. But, you know, if you're supposedly known for your offense, your offense has got to be good. And in Miami and now in New York, you've seen that none of those offenses have been good um, with Adam Gase calling, calling the play. So it's uh, time for him to go as well. I agree. All right. Is there – oh, I just looked at the time, man. We're, we're killing some time here. Yeah, we are. Um, <laughs> All right, so anyone else that you think – those were the four that I thought were the hottest of seats. Uh, the Jets I thought was reaching for me, um, but I don't think Gase has been anything impressive, and I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, any other coaches you think might be on the hot seat? Um, Believe it or see. not, I think Freddie is safe. I'm, you know, I'm kind of – yeah, I do. I, I mean, as, uh, yeah, mu- as, as much as I talk about and say it's time for Freddie to go, I think he's shown enough growth uh, that unless he just goes on a losing streak this season, I think they'll give him another shot. Um, looking at it, I think the Bengals head coach, first-year head coach is safe. Um, yeah. Chargers, Anthony Lynn, they've had a bunch of injuries. I think he's safe. See that was one that I that I. See, I also about. just like Anthony Lynn. I think he's he's a I, good coach. Um, I think they've yeah, just had a lot of injuries. Um, the whole Melvin Gordon situation. Uh, Philip Rivers is really looking old. Um, I, I I I feel like his job is safe. Um, what do you think about Matt Nagy? I think he's safe. I, I think, uh, and I think a lot of that is people are putting. A lot of blame on Mitch Trubisky, which, you know, I kind of agree with. Um, I thought it was a stretch to draft him as early as they did. And I believe that they, you know, they took him before Deshaun Watson. They took him before, um, oh, I just went blank, Kansas City. There we go, Pat Mahomes. Mahomes. Um, I think, if anything, people are looking at Mitch Trubisky saying, why are you still here? And them drafting him is not Matt yeah. Nagy's fault because this is only a second season. So I, I think he's definitely safe. We've seen what he can right. do. Um, anyone else? I actually think the rest are safe. You know, one that one that I've heard here recently, I don't know if it's because they lost to the Dolphins or not, is Doug Peterson. Ooh. Um, people have talked about whether whether he they should let him go. Oh, we met we and. You know, he's – he's uh, Philadelphia's a tough spot. Those fans are <laughs> ruthless, man. Um, Doug Peterson won the Super Bowl um, two years ago. Last year they went 10-6. and six. Um, This year they are 5-7. and seven. With the Dolphins' loss. <laughs> um, with the Dolphins' loss. With <laughs> the loss of the Dolphins. <laughs> um. I think it depends what he does this year. I think I personally think he deserves another another season. 
depending on how he is, um, you know, midway through next year. But I say I don't know if if they go eight and eight or or seven and nine this year, I wouldn't be surprised to see Philadelphia move on from Doug Peterson. I don't think they should, but I w- it wouldn't. Yeah, I me. I like Doug Peterson a lot. I didn't even think about him because I, I see that Super Bowl next to his name, and I'm like, nah, he's safe. Of course, right. he he beat right. Tom Brady and the Patriots. He's safe. But um, right, but yeah, they were supposed to be like the Super Bowl contenders this year. They were supposed to be really good, and they're sitting there five and yeah. seven. Um, this may be something that we need to to pencil in in two weeks, see how the chips begin to fall, and then uh, make some more final decisions on hot or not deciding if coaches are gone or there. Because, you know, Peterson could turn it around. They could sneak in the playoffs. I think if they sneak in the playoffs, they could easily win the yeah. division the way the Dallas Cowboys are going. Um, and I think if they sneak right. in the playoffs um, – Peterson's job is safe for at least another year. And they'll look at him and say, Hey, don't let it happen again. Don't, don't, don't be that mediocre. Um, <laughs> right. But I, I, I do think he's safe. Um, some we may want to keep an eye on and we'll talk about in later podcasts is uh, maybe Detroit lions head coach and Patricia. Um, yeah, maybe the giants head, uh, head coach. Uh, with Shermer, he he's one that yeah. we had for the Browns before. Got fired, um, doing pretty much the same stuff with the Giants. We'll revisit uh, this segment near the end of the season and decide whether or not seats are still hot. Maybe Freddie's seat gets hot. Who knows? Um, or whether people are safe. Um, and now, I know we had on our schedule, and I'm going to throw this out to you. And then if we decide it, it'll be a cliffhanger for our audience is this weekend we were going to talk about the college football playoffs, but here's an idea. This weekend is championship weekend. Should we pencil or should we earmark that for next week's once we know who all is going to be in? Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's uh let's see what we have. I'm 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 really interested. Um the rankings just came out. Um Ohio State, LSU, Clemson, and Georgia are your top four teams with Utah and Oklahoma looking on the outside looking in. Um I'm interested to see how that Big Twelve championship game goes and how the Pac twelve championship get, game goes. Um I wanna see if Baylor wins, does Ooh, Baylor so, get in? Um I think so if, let's do this. And then we'll talk about when we know the four. Predict your four teams and how they get in. So, obviously, LSU oh, and man, Georgia, okay. I don't believe, will be there. I think one of them will be out. So, for you, uh, looking at the rankings now, for those, we, they just came out. So, we got Ohio State 1, LSU 2, Clemson 3, Georgia 4, Utah 5, Oklahoma 6, Baylor 7. And then, realistically, in my opinion, I think that's where we – cut it short and depending on what happens yeah. this weekend. So prediction time, and then we'll discuss what, what plays out next week. Who is your top four? My top four teams in no particular order are um, LSU. I think LSU is going to be Georgia. Um, 
I'm on podcast, so I have to be careful. I don't want to say this, but I think LSU is going to blow Georgia out. Um, I really do. I think they're going to beat them by at least three touchdowns. Um, Georgia fans can get at me. Um, you can find him on Instagram else, and uh, Facebook, Donatus Carroll. On Instagram. Uh, go after him. All right, go ahead and continue. <laughs> uh, LSU, Ohio State, um, Clemson. That fourth team, man. See, I agree. that The fourth um, one is what's up for grabs. I agree with Ohio State. They're not losing the Big Ten. Uh, I agree LSU no. is, once again, sorry, Georgia fans, is going to blow out Georgia. Um, Joe Burrow's the real deal. That defense is not that great, but Joe Burrow is going to tear up Georgia's defense. You heard it. You heard it here first. Yeah. Um, Clemson is not losing to Virginia, which leaves us to four. If Georgia loses – do they somehow hold on, or what? What? What happens from there? Who's Who's Utah See, got? If Georgia, uh, they play Oregon, I believe, Ooh. on Friday night um, in the Pac-12 championship game. Um, which Utah lost to USC. That's their only loss. They lost at USC by three points, um, which is not a terrible loss. The problem is Oregon beat USC at USC yeah. by like 31, <laughs> 31 points. So, you know, you think by that token um, that Oregon's going to beat Utah. Um, but say the problem becomes if Utah wins and Oklahoma wins, um, which one of those two teams do you put in? Um, Oklahoma's losses to Kansas State, I think at Kansas State, um, in a game that I think, like, if Oklahoma and, and Kansas State were to play again, I think Oklahoma would dominate them. But I think for whatever reason, they just they didn't show up that day. Um, they beat Baylor, but they were down to Baylor at Baylor, I think by 20-something points and came back and, and beat Baylor by three. Um, so I'm interested to see how the game goes. But I think – Lincoln Riley is really good at scheming for you the second time around. So I don't think I don't think Oklahoma I don't think this game is going to be close. Um, I think Oklahoma will beat Baylor by ten. Um, so it, it comes if Utah and Oklahoma both win, who gets in? I would put Oklahoma in um, over Utah just because I think the Big Twelve um, is a little bit better than the Pac twelve. Not by not by much. Um, and that hurts me to say because I'm I'm a Big Twelve, a Big Twelve supporter. Obviously, with Texas playing in the Big Twelve, but um, I, I think Oklahoma's strength of schedule is a little bit stronger than Utah's. I agree. I I, um, I got my decision. I got it. I figured it out. I got it. Here we go. You got it. Utah's losing to Oregon. Oklahoma's beating yeah. Baylor. Georgia's losing to LSU, and Alabama sneaks their way into number four. They find a way in there. They're the fourth. <laughs> no, but for real, <laughs> I think it's going to be <laughs> in this order. I think it's going to be Ohio State one, LSU two, Clemson three. Those don't change. Georgia drops. Utah drops. Whether they win or lose, Utah drops. And I think Oklahoma yep. becomes the number four team um, sneaking back in there. Um, and they'll, you know, maybe be the sacrifice land for Ohio State because I think they're really good. But that, those are my four teams, Ohio State, LSU, Clemson, and I think Oklahoma gets in as the four seed. 
And I think Oklahoma again again is just good for college football as well. No offense to Utah and the Utah fans out there, but I think college football, your viewership and the business part of college football is just going to be a lot higher and a lot better if, if Oklahoma gets in over Utah. So that's a politics. I agree. Side Everyone needs Jalen Hurts is what it is. Everyone needs Jalen Hurts. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Well, you need a you need the battle of two transfers. That's true. Too. That's true. Um, the grad transfer you know, versus so. the didn't beat out Jake Fromm transfer. So, and then yeah. you have the you know two old fashioned quarterbacks and Trevor Lawrence versus Joe yeah. Burrow. Did I say that right? Yeah, Burrow. Um, yeah. In the other game. All right. So then we we will come back <laughs> next week. We'll know exactly how it played out. We should know our four teams. They release it on Tuesdays, which means during our podcast, we should know who the four teams are. And we will, on our podcast, make our predictions on how everything will unfold. Um, if you have stuck around for it with us for this past, ooh, it's been 50 minutes already. So we'll, we'll, we won't spend too much time on this. But leaving the Thanksgiving theme or, or the holiday behind um, – had the idea. We all love Thanksgiving food. I love Thanksgiving food. Donna's loves Thanksgiving food. Unborn babies love Thanksgiving food. We have ranked (laughs) our top five Thanksgiving foods. And I want to, I'm interested to hear what Donna's are, what mine are. If you, if you have a top five list, uh, hit us up on Instagram at, at once upon a time, once upon a time. Whoa. Once upon East 112, uh, find us on social media. Let us know. Leave, it, leave something. And I don't know if there's comments on any of these sections. Um, but we'll count down from five to one. Donis, what do you have as your, as your number five food? Number five. Um, number five, I am going with. Whoa, that is. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you where mine's at yet. I'm not going to tell you where the dressing is at for me. I apologize for that reaction. Dressing's your problem. <laughs> but you, you got any dressing, dressing, dressing should arguably probably be higher. <laughs> any reason why it's five? Um, I panicked um, and, and pick. Like, dressing is definitely one of my favorite. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just the ones that I that I have above it. I think I like. All right, how about you give me your bit, your your five through one, and then I'll give you my five through one okay. and my hot take on some of them. Okay. Um, dressing at number five. Um, and then these ones are kind of interchangeable: green bean casserole and mashed potatoes. Ooh, okay. Um. Man, this is tough. Um, turkey at number two? No. Uh, turkey's number one. I don't know what my number two would be. Um, <laughs> air. <laughs> air, yeah. Air. Oh, dude. Okay, this is this is this is cheap, man. But I gotta go rolls, man. Rolls, rolls at number two. Turkey at number one. I love bread. Um, <laughs> that's a that's a terrible list. Um, but I I love I love bread. Um, so yeah, rolls. Alright, so we have, we have a few 
similar items in very different orders. Um, so my number five is uh, sweet potato souffle. Not not with we call it souffle. Uh, it's not yeah. actually a souffle. It's more like a little sweet potato casserole. Not not with yeah, marshmallows yeah. on top. I hate marshmallows. But we have like okay. a pecan yeah. um, uh, cornflake type topping that goes on top of it. Uh, it's very sweet. It's almost like a dessert. Um, what I now unless this drops to like number four thousand, and I'm talking to you, white people. Um, and Donatus, okay, let's because I'm going to ask your opinion on this in in a second. Um, and for all of you that are about to come after us, Donatus has experienced several white people potlucks. So he has, and he is married to a white girl. So he has full knowledge on this as well. If you put raisins in your sweet potato souffle, and then uh, sweet potato souffle, if you put raisins, grapes, things that don't belong in stuff, this goes for potato salad. This goes for macaroni and cheese. This goes for chicken salad. If you put things in there, that do not belong in there. So I know I just went on a small little tangent, but I know some people that put raisins in their sweet potato souffle and it ruins the entire thing. Like, why is that raisin there? It's supposed to be sweet potato buttery goodness. And you put, and you put a (laughs) raisin in there forcing me to eat healthy. I don't want it. What is your take on the, on these random (laughs) shriveled fruits? Yeah. yeah, You know, Especially on Thanksgiving, like here's the thing that I think we're all in America okay with is Thanksgiving is universally, universally, Americanally. It's <laughs> not a word. It is today. Take it to the bank. Americanly. I'm a teacher. <laughs> I co-sign it. New word today. Go ahead. There we go. That's our that's our t-shirt. Um, nationally, Thanksgiving is known as a day where you can eat all you want and not Amen. feel bad about it. I'm not saying that it's right, but it's what we do. And we love every minute of um, it. <laughs> and we love every minute of it. And it's a one it's a one day that you have an excuse to uh, eat unhealthy. And I would argue it's it. like a four days. Because you know those leftovers keep rolling and you keep oh, eating. So there's a four day span true. from like Thursday to Sunday where you just crush Dude, leftovers. Man, like we're it's Tuesday and I'm still eating dressing and green bean casserole. See, potatoes. We're living <laughs> like, it. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, no, I, I've never even heard of raisins in the oh, I've seen potato it. souffle. I have seen um, it. Uh, yeah. No, don't put fruits and stuff that fruits don't go. So that goes for, like you said, um, like I hate, salad, I hate when I have a salad. chicken salad. And I ha- and and it, it shows up because I do like chicken salad, um, and I see yeah, that there's raisins and almonds and grapes and all this other stuff in it. I'm like, no, it, that doesn't belong. Just give me the chicken with the whatever the mayo yeah. dressing is. Maybe some celery for the crunch, but outside of that, that's all I wanted. I'm very simple. I don't want your fruits in it. Yeah. No, it's 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 one of those things where you have something that's great, like just in general, and then people try to, excuse me, people try to make it better, I guess, somehow by thinking that fruit's going to enhance it, but you end up just ruining it. So if you're out there and you put fruit in salads where they don't belong, um, 
They have fruit salads. The only salad that fruit should go in is fruit salads. If it's not a fruit salad, don't put fruits in it. End of story. And once again, we're speaking specifically to you. To white people. <laughs> Don just won't say it, but I will. <laughs> to white people. It is you. You are the problem with putting <laughs> fruits and stuff in food. Anyway, back on topic. My number four is similar to your number four. I put green bean casserole. Yeah. I love green bean oh, casserole. Man, so good. I could crush that. Every time I, it's on the table, I have it. Three through one is where I struggle. Well, no. Three and two, I think, are my interchangeable ones. And then one is every day, all day, number one. Yeah. What I have on my list is three is turkey. I love turkey. Oh, man, yeah. I take gravy. I pour gravy. I didn't put gravy on this list, though it's a food group of its own, in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But I put gravy all over the turkey. I love turkey. Uh, not a big ham person, uh, but I adore me some turkey. Um, my number two is mac and cheese. Oh, man. Um, that's a good one, too. Love mac and cheese. Put, make sure to put that on. I forgot potatoes altogether. I didn't even think about that one. Um, mac and cheese is number two. And my number one is dressing. Yeah. My, my, my grandmother makes a mean dressing cornbread dressing not oh, wow. the box stuff i i i will eat <clears throat> the box stuff but she doesn't do all that she makes a homemade cornbread dressing and it is to die for i slather that up with some gravy because once again gravy is life it goes on everything mm-hmm. um but yeah that's that's mine that's why i was aghast when you said dressing at five, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Dress- dressing is a number one, sir. Dressing definitely deserves to be higher than number five. I'm sorry, people of America. Please forget. Please forgive me. <laughs> Don't hold this podcast it- against us. Yeah. Forget- forgive Donatus for he has sinned. I have sinned. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so let us know. What are your top fives? Those are our top fives. Look forward to it every year. I sit down and. Uh, eat that for like four, like I said, four days, four days of, uh, of Thanksgiving food. Um, <laughs> and I would just shovel it and shovel it. Um, other than that, thank you for joining us. Is there anything left that you want to say, Donovan? No, thank you guys all again for joining us. Thank you for, um, for checking us out. I know that we've had some pretty good responses. Um, I've had people text me saying that they're listening to my podcast. Um, so thank you guys. Give us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you guys. Um, we'd love to hear some potential topics that you guys may have for us to discuss. Um, once again, I'm sorry for putting dressing at number five. It is definitely number <laughs> one. Um, that's all I got. All right. And with that, we're out. Follow us on Instagram if you have one. Once upon East 112, uh, reach out, like Donda said, give us feedback, show some love. Let us know if you want to be a part of it. Let us know what topics you want to hear. Uh, share, let people hear um, us just sit here and talk. That's, that's perfectly fine with us. But other than that, <laughs> we will see y'all next Wednesday. See you next Wednesday.